Hey listeners, this is Charu Sharma from Silicon Valley and you're listening to Working Moms. We invite impressive working moms from all walks of life to learn about their choices, trade-offs, work-life balance, re-entering the workforce, self-care, their definition of success, financial planning, and much more. Joanne has been one of my biggest role models one of the most well-regarded angel investors and the true advocate of female inv- female founders since the very days when it wasn't as cool to support female founders. <laughs> we are so glad to have you on the show. Thanks, Joanne, for making time for this. My pleasure. Awesome. Um, so let's get the elephant out of the room. It's been um, trying times, especially in New York City where you're based at. How are you, how are you doing and how's your family doing? You know what? We're doing fine. I mean, the reality is we're lucky, you know? I mean, we're we're locked out in a place um, out east of um, New York City. Uh, there's nine people here. Everyone's working. And um, everyone still is employed. And everyone doesn't have to worry about food on the table and paying their rent. I mean, you know, um, I don't think that anyone who has that should be complaining. I mean, none of us are Anne Frank. That's how I look at it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm really glad to know that everyone's doing well there. Um, So I'd like to go back in time. So I know that you were a stay-at-home mom for a bit, and Mm -hmm. you were also a working mother. Um, So I'd love to understand, at what stage in in your life did you decide to have kids, and how did that affect your career in life? Yeah, I stopped. My first kid I had um, when I was 29 years old. And um, I wanted to have a kid before I was 30, right there on the cusp. And um, I don't think anyone really gave me any advice. Like, there's so much information out there now of like, when you have a child, you have to be responsible for that child. You can't just go off to work. You have to feed it, clothe it, be there for it. And, um, and so it definitely changed my entire perspective about working life and um, and motherhood. And um, how do you balance the two of them? So how did your priorities change after you became a mom? What sort of choices and trade-offs did you have to make? Well, at one point, let's see, I think when I had two kids, I uh, they were four, three and one. And I had I, I decided to stop working for a while. I mean, the reality is, I was fired from a job in an industry, which is a very long story in itself. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go home for a while, and I'm going to be a full time mother and see what comes next. And then we had another kid, and then I was like, I got to go back to work. You know, I was sitting around listening to play like at a play date, listening to all these people talk, and I literally thought to myself. If I don't go back to work, I'm going to kill myself. If if I had a gun <laughs> today, I would kill all these people and myself. And so, you know, that's when I really re-entered the workplace. Um, not that I didn't take another half home for a while during a second time, um, but I re-entered the workplace with the thought process of family always first. My children will always be first. That makes sense. Um the first time around, Joanne, how much of a break, how long of a break did you take? Uh, the first time around, I took a little over, almost a two-year break. 
And then what was it like to re-enter the workforce? Um, it felt great. I mean, I was just I was trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do, and I ended up um in the tech industry in media. And um, you know, it was the beginnings of the internet and you know, everyone knew each other and you know, we all felt we were changing the world. And so there was a real sense of energy and commitment and community and and it was fantastic. And I was probably older than 99% of the people that were in the industry. So it it was um it was really um it was fun because you know, I think that women um at least from my generation, I think this generation too, is that after a while, you know, you have these kids and you, you know, you're working or you're not working and you, you mm-hmm. sort of look in the mirror and go, you know, I've completely lost all sense of myself. And so having that work that's yours, um, I think it's something that's very important for your own personal ego. Uh, it's always interesting to understand how other women like yourself have sort of figured out the right way to do things for yourself. Yeah, I, I think that I was actually ahead of the curve that mm. many women today are behaving like I'm behaving. Um, multiple careers, family first. I mean, the greatest thing about this COVID-19 is that people are home, you know? I mean, it's not great being home with three kids if you had them and you had to also become a teacher and keep them engaged because you don't yeah. want others in your house. That's a short-term thing. But the reality is, is that you don't need to get on a plane to go everywhere. You can do Zoom. You can work. You can be available. You can still have lunch with your kids. You, you know, you don't commute. Um, and um, I, there, you know, there's never the right time to have children. But the way that our lives are set up is most people have their kids, depending on where you're living and your you know, 20s and 30s. And reality is that's when you grow your careers too. And that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, A trend I'm seeing, especially in big cities like New York and San Francisco, is that women are choosing to have kids later and later in life, right? So in their late 30s, um, because then they have more money, one, and two, uh, they're more senior in their careers. So they think that they can dictate the schedule and have that leverage. Um, But I think... (sighs) Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, you know, listen, I, I never want to be past judgment on how people live their lives, but I will tell you as someone who has invested in, you know, over 130 companies and I've had this conversation with men and women mm-hmm. and I always say, don't wait. What are you waiting for? You know, it's not about the entrance. It's about the exit. There's a reason women can have children at 13 years old. This whole concept of like 50 is the new 30. The truth is your body is still 50 years old. And, you know, Mm. when you're younger, you don't care about certain things. You're a lot more flexible. When you're older, then you end up having like, you know, this sort of like helicopter on top of your child because it's like your next thing. Um, You know, I, I, I am a big, big fan of having your children young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my God, it's like, I remember my last kid, I was 35, 35, 36 years old. And like, you know, went down in the middle of the night crying. It's like, I like walked into a wall. I mean, 36 years old is a lot different than 29. Hmm. Um, so you brought up a good point, which is, um, you know, how you raise your kids and how, how you can make certain choices also depends on where you live. 
and big cities are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you make it financially work, and what sort of trade-offs and choices uh, that you made that we can all we can all learn from? You know, when our kids were young, we had no money. Um, you know, we lived in the suburbs. We had a house with no furniture. Um, I had someone when we eventually could afford it to come in twice a week um, and a cleaning lady um, who came once a week. And, you know, I just made it work, you know, and then I started working again. And then I had the ability to make more money. And then I went with the person who is coming in twice a week to come in five days a week, you know, even though Mm -hmm. I was there and I was working out of my house. I mean, it is, you know, there's a reason people live near their families so that they have a support system. It's just not easy being on your own, particularly working if you don't have a support system until these kids go full-time to school. Yeah, it definitely takes a village. It does take a village. So, um, you know, it is certainly more expensive in the city, but there's tons of options. There's public schools, there's private schools, there's tons of different things there. I think it's just depending on how you want to live your life. That's true. And only you can decide what's really right for you. Yeah. Um, but it definitely helps to hear perspectives from, from different different sort of uh, parenting styles and different choices. So it's very helpful, uh, especially. I, I think these days it's so rare for me to hear someone advocating for having kids younger, um, uh, especially living in big cities. So this was a very helpful perspective. I mean, your kids are going to be happy where you're happy. You know, if you want to live in the suburbs, they'll be happy in the suburbs. If you want to live in the rural areas of wherever, they'll be happy. If you want to live in the city, they'll be happy because you're happy. And so you should be happy in your life. And then when their kids get older, they can figure out how they want to live their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one more question on a similar on, on this topic. Um, so women who have or, or couples who have kids when they're younger, uh, you know, oftentimes um, the mom decides to leave the workforce or take a break because most or all of her salary goes into childcare anyway. Mm-hmm. And most of the times they don't even like their jobs. You know, they're unfulfilled, they're earlier in their careers, or they feel burned out or unappreciated. Um, and so what advice do you have for those women who are just, who are not happy at work? Um, because you've, you've made... You've made uh, choices uh, to stay at home, but also to go back into work. So what advice do you have for them? You know, everybody should wake up enjoying what they're doing every day. I mean, I know that's a grand thought. It doesn't work for everybody. Um, But uh, the importance of staying in the workforce and working, even if at the beginnings your salary goes completely to childcare, I think not only is it healthy for the individual, it's healthy for the parent, for the children to see that their mother works, even if they have girls or boys, because we should all be working members in some way of society. And I think that it's very important for your own sense of self. I mean, you might not be making enough when you're 20 nine because it goes to all the care for your children. But by the time you're 35, you know, you're going to hope that that changes. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, nowadays we're all going to live to be 100 years old. So if you take off 10 years of your life to raise your children, the reality is that's like being a CEO of a company. And people (laughs) should be embracing that you did that. And there should be opportunities for you to easily slide back into the workforce. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully our workplaces will make it easier and easier for women to re-enter. I think it is becoming easier and easier. And I think that particularly at this time when people are realizing that everyone's got children at home, um, it isn't easy, and um, that um, it's a balance and teachers should be paid a lot more money because it's really, really <laughs> hard. Uh, I think we'll see shifts from this. I hope so. Um, Joanne, you work with lots of founders, both men and women. Um, do you see male and female founders approaching things differently, especially when they become parents? Um, you know, men and women are just different animals. Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I know some men that are extremely maternal and others that aren't. The longer you stay married, um, people fall into their roles. I think it's important to set them at the beginning. So as I was saying is, I think we'll learn a lot from these times. You know, I'm talking to people that have four and six-year-olds, men and women, and it is a dual effort Mm. to, you know, or even older kids that are 13 and 15 to make sure that they're doing schoolwork. It's not like, you know, the father's in his office doing his thing and the mother's working, cleaning, and doing her thing in the office too. So you know, I think it just, every, everyone has their different connection to um, their child. I mean, you know, I've been married, good God, you know, almost 40 years. And, oh wow, um, you know, I would not expect to come home one night. And, you know, my husband made me a phenomenal dinner. Like he doesn't and never has cooked, but he will clean the dishes and he always cleans the dishes when I cook. So, you know, you fall into roles. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like it's so much about uh, sort of defining your territory. It's almost like two co-founders in a startup. It is. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. And also, you have to be (laughs) extremely um, um, trusting and and also uh, respectful of what your partner can do for the relationship. Okay. Uh, oftentimes, it seems that becoming first-time or second-time parents can stress the marriage uh, because people are exhausted and you don't get enough sleep uh, and you're just juggling a thousand things. Do you have any advice for new parents on um, on managing their marriage while also learning about parenthood? Yeah. First of all, you got to have time for yourself. Um, everyone that I know who had um, was, you know, they were pregnant, they were going to have children, you know, both men and women, my advice has always been make sure once you have your kid, you commit yourself one night a week to a date night. Mm. Whatever night it is, you could say every Thursday night, our kids knew Thursday night was our date night. And we had, um, you know, different people that work for us at different times. And not only, you know, did they come whatever the days were during the week, that one night they had to stay late. 
And at the beginning, you know, it was just me and my husband because you kind of want to reconnect and talk about things that are just between the two of you. And then as things, time goes on, you know, you might have had another couple and you go out, you know, for fun. But the importance of making sure that you don't forget about your own relationship. A year can go by and you look at each other and go, my God, we have, we haven't even been out for dinner alone in in a year. That's Mm -hmm. really unhealthy. Yeah, that's very good advice. Um, Joanne, what were your parents like and how did their parenting style influence your own? Um, My parents were, my father is a narcissist, honestly. Extremely brilliant man, emotionally incompetent. My, I mean, truly, my mother um, probably would have been better off born in a, di- in a different generation, like the one that I was born into. Mm. And so, you know, they, their parenting um, left a lot to be desired. It wasn't like we were beaten or ignored. I mean, but it was like we were all living in a house together um, and, and living our own lives. And, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 15. It was a terrible, awful, nasty divorce. So I would say that the impact they made on me was what not to do. And because of that, I paid a lot of attention to other people and other relationships and other parents and sort of picked up things along the way of, how I want to parent. And so I'd say that my parenting is a probably 180 degree difference in how my parents raised me. Huh, interesting. Wow. It could have been so easy for you to go on a totally different path, but you've clearly um, sort of been an agent in your life. And you've. it sounds like you have a wonderful marriage and it sounds like you've really enjoyed being a parent. I love being a parent. Honestly, when people, you know, through this whole whatever COVID thing, I was, um, I'm sort of in the midst of reframing what I want to do on a daily basis in my career. I've like reinvented myself so many times. And um, my oldest daughter is like, what is it that you love most, you know, of things you've done over the years? And the truth is I love being a parent. Now my kids are adults and I still love being a parent to them. And I am um, involved in their lives as they want me to be involved because they are living their own lives and they've had their own lives. Um, but, you know, I really love being a parent. Um, it's honestly one of the biggest joys, um, I think, in my life. Uh, do you remember um, or um, what was one of your first memories when you became a mother for the first time? Um, I was always pretty um, – I think one of the things – I can't remember anything in particular, but I don't know why this just popped in my head. But, you know, I never um, um, childproofed my house. I didn't believe huh. in it. Um, I believed in teaching the kids what, what you can do and what you can't do. And I always believed that our kids were just as smart as we were. It was just about their brains weren't developed as ours were. And so I always trusted their own personal instincts and tried to help them sort of navigate their own paths, but not telling them what to do. And so when Jessica was super young, we had all of these albums that were, you know, stacked across the bottom of the floor and she'd go over there 
and try to pull out the album. And I would say, don't do that. No. And so once I remember, I walked away and she had that little, like a smirk on her face and she pulled out the album and she pulled it hard and she went flying backwards and smacked her head on the floor. And I was like, I told you, you know, I mean, she was hysterical, but I was like, that's why I said no. And like, it was, it was a learning moment, right? She never pulled out the albums again. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, she didn't go underneath the sink, you know? I mean, she learned right from wrong. I mean, of course things will slide and some people might think I'm out of my mind, but you know, by setting up the gates, it's like, okay, how can I open the gate? Right. If you say you can't go up there, Mm -hmm. you know, you learn. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, um, sort of whatever is the opposite of micromanaging. It sounds like they must be very independent, um, and independent thinkers. Very independent thinkers. A hundred percent. Um, you know, I mean, God, I remember my second daughter, um, was very much more of an emotional kid. You know, you'd look at her sideways and she'd cry. And, um, (laughs) we went, I remember going somewhere with her and she wanted another drink. And I don't think my son was born yet, or maybe he was, he was a baby. And, um, her older sister at that point was so, um, outgoing and, you know, um, extroverted. And, um, it's funny, she's not as much like that today, but, um, you know, Emily's, she said, I I want, you know, another drink. And I was like, then go get it. You know, here's the money, you know, go get it. I'll see you. And she's like, I'm going to have, you know, Jessica get it. I'm like, no, if you want it, you got to get it yourself. And so I think, yes, saying, and, and, um, um, making them feel safe and also feel confident um, is very important because nature nurture is a very tight thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanne, you were talking about having reinvented yourself a few times, which I think is so amazing. Um, so obviously there are people who just absolutely need to put a paycheck on the table and they don't have a choice. But I've also known mothers who actually transitioned from a career they didn't like very much to careers that they were very passionate about after they became mothers because they just didn't want to leave their child behind to go to a job that they were miserable in. Mm-hmm. It sort of forced them to sort of be the person they were really happy being. Um, but how to do that is uh, a question that not everyone knows the answer to. So I'd love to hear a bit more about how, you, how you've reinvented yourself, especially while being a mom? You know, I don't know if I can give you a specific answer. I mean, I've always been super entrepreneurial and managed to figure things out. And, um, you know, I just knew that I had to go back and do something. And I started, you know, working with some people and then being, hearing what was going on in tech and then talking to someone and there was an opportunity and I thought I would like it. I mean, you know, I just think you got to try a lot of things. And I also think the people of this um, generation, the ones that are in their like twenties now, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be hard for them to learn how to reinvent themselves because n- most of them um, didn't take a job in their twenties and are still in the same job in their thirties. I mean, I remember quitting my first job. I had been there for 
uh, four years. And um, the difference is in that particular job, I had four jobs in four years in the first, in one company. And so after four years, I was ready for the fifth job. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you know, women don't move as quickly as men. That will take definitely a couple of years. And I thought, I'm out of here. And there was a part of me like, I was like, God, I'm going to quit. Like, whoa. And then I quit. And then I went to another job. And then a year later, I quit that, went to another job. And it's just like, once you make that move, you realize, you know what? I can do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't realize, I think especially in our first job or first company, we don't realize how much is in our hands. Um, but it also sounds like you were just very inherently confident and uh, you, you felt empowered to just try things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I don't know if confident is the word. I would say that I probably grew up with the... Um, being an adult at a very young age mm. and that's kind of how I survived and so I just continued down that path which was a survival path because I had no time to really think about what is it I want to do or giving myself some emotional landscape I just continued to move and it worked for me and um now I'm trying to spend more time being more in touch with what is it I want to do and not jumping so quickly? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, you also work on a, probably on a daily basis with lots and lots of founders and companies. Um, what do you think founders and workplaces, uh, what can they change in their policies and culture to make life easier for working parents? I think that every single company who we are now at a point in startup world where um, there's a lot of very mature companies. And so we can all point to many of them that have grown with different policies. It's not something like, wow, what should we do? No one else is doing this. And my feeling is if I was a CEO of a company um, and or a, fa- or a founder of a company, my feeling is like I would say to everyone, family first. So like I have a founder and uh, one of the women working for her, him is upstate with her husband. The two of them are working remotely. They have, um, they're at either his or her parents' house. And she's like, it's, and camp is canceled. You know, they're not doing camp this summer. And she's like, this is the only way I can do it. And he's like, no problem. And I, and, and, and I point to that example because you know, I, I remember talking to a young woman who actually is a venture capitalist now, and she told me the story of a woman that came to Cornell and spoke to her graduate class about, um, she was a big, big, big woman in banking and said, you know, it's very different for women than men. Like mm-hmm. when the men go to their kid's soccer game, you know, everyone applauds them. But when the woman goes, don't let everyone know because they'll look, you know, people will look down on them. And I was like, that's utterly ridiculous. You know, the day you walk in and you do your job and you do it well, and you're like, I'm going to my kid's soccer game. I'm going to leave today at two. That's how you run your life. And if they don't like it, you go somewhere else. And I think we should put family and people's ability to do their jobs first In the end, you'll get more loyalty and you'll have a better workplace and you get a lot more out of your people. 
Yeah. And I think you're right about the COVID-19 situation, how by staying at home and kids are often popping up on Zoom calls for CEOs. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But people are definitely becoming more cognizant of how much more families and flexibility needs to be sort of integrated in the future of work. Yeah. I mean, I really thought in the mid-90s when, you know, the tech industry started, one of the things that excited me more than anything else is, all right, we're all going to change the workplace. Mm-hmm. We're going to change the way we work. We're going to change the way we take care of mothers and families. And, you know, and we didn't. And so sometimes you need something that's just life altering like this, COVID-19, that has everyone wake up and realize, wait a second, you know, I don't see this person all day. They're on Zoom. They're doing their work. We're running fine. Actually, we're doing even better than fine. And that, I think, is great. It seems that moms are also probably uniquely situated to manage this because, uh, you know, awesome multitaskers and totally uh, just natural, maybe not natural, but conditioned survivors. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, as I said, women are so different than men. You know, women um, operate differently. They prioritize differently. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even in the tech industry, that's why you don't see women who are going to the parties at night to like network. The men are there. Women aren't interested. They're interested in their families, their friends, and their work. You know, men are much more singular focused on work and family and nothing else. And so, um, uh, you know, I think that um, more women are trying to network with each other. But um, at the end of the day, you know, we're very different animals in how we run our lives. Yeah. It's unfortunate, though, that um, a lot of uh, business deals, a lot of uh, job offers, et cetera, happen at these networking uh, dinner parties yeah. and women miss out. Well, it's multiple players. I mean, I know that. I've been coaching a couple of female founders recently and mm. it's like, you know, you got to stop with the run on sentences. You have to stop with the emotional impact on these letters to people. You have to be short, succinct, and to the point, get it done. Um, Cause that's how men operate. And so um, I'm not saying that women should operate like men whatsoever. Um, but there is something to be said sometimes about, um, what has worked in uh, for the men and their networking? Like I have said to founders who are running large businesses in big verticals, it's like you know what you need to go find those men out there, these ones who are running companies in your vertical, even though those companies might be three times as big as yours. Call them, get them on your books, make friends with them. Act like the big macher in your vertical. And honestly, that's how you sell your company. I think as a female founder, I have seen uh, my own growth and evolution in the last four-ish years. Um, How previously I would walk in so humbly uh, wanting to, you know, be mentored. And I think now I walk into a conversation uh, treating these VCs like peers. And I just see how differently they treat me. But that assertiveness, even if it's, uh, you know, uh, make believe or put on, even though inside I'm really scared, but it it helps so much. It does, it does, and um, you know it is what it is. Um, and um, and by the way, there's plenty of men that don't know how to do it right either. That's you know, 
and 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 perhaps some of those men sh- want to stay home and they're happy for their wives to go to work and that's fine too. That everyone should be able to make those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. But um, if you have any final advice for women or men who are planning to have kids, but they're concerned about how to manage their career alongside having a kid. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait to have children. Have them young. You'll be so happy. I mean, the ones that I have told and then have gone out and done it, so much happier. And I have seen more than a handful of women who have gone out and they're like, okay, now I'm pregnant. What do I tell my board? I was like, nothing. Just say, hey, I'm pregnant. This is what I'm due. You don't have to overthink it. Men don't give all that information. Just do what you got to do. It's like, and then, you know, I've seen founders have three kids over the course of the life of their business. And you know what? They become better founders. They become better CEOs because they have, they can have to focus on what's important. Mm, that makes sense. And I, I uh, just, what you said made me um, remember a quote I recently read. It's advice to women and it's saying, speak truth, but not all of it. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> right? I think you often tend to just overshare. Um, because I don't know, I don't know what, we're maybe we're inside, we're feeling guilty about uh, not being completely honest or whatever it is. Um, but you're right. Founders or male founders don't feel obligated to share a lot of details. Women no. don't need to either. It's the same thing I said about writing these letters. It's like right to the point. And, um, you know, but don't wait to have children. I mean, honestly, if I did it all over again, I would have done it at 25 years old. Mm. I mean, even though I wouldn't have gotten to where I got in my career, um, you know, I'm a young mother with adult children. I would have loved to have been even a younger mother with adult children. Why is that? Because you can relate to them. You have a lot more energy. Um, you know, I mean, I have friends that are going to be 75 years old now that I know when they're having, when they've had the kids, when their kids go graduate college. That's old. Yeah. And you probably won't get to see uh, in your lifetime enough of your children's milestones. No, no, you won't. So, you know, I think that's, uh, I don't know, to me, that's super important. Yeah. Well, that was very honest and very helpful. I think my three big takeaways from today are, uh, I think the biggest one is one, uh, whatever makes the mother or, you know, both the parents happy, do that. Whether it's living in a city, living in suburbs, uh, staying at home, working, whatever it is, but first sort of put that oxygen mask on yourself to then make sure that you're you're enjoying your parenthood. Um, the second big takeaway is uh, there are many benefits to having kids while you're young. Um, and my third takeaway is it's actually um, sort of the norm and not the exception anymore to um, to switch careers or take a break and re-enter the workforce. So sort of, you know, you do you, do what's right for you and things are going to work out just fine. Totally. And fourth is when your kids are old enough and you're still young and you're working as a startup, they're the best uh, group of uh, uh, marketing and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and PR people and, um, and, and fought around the hired. kitchen table. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were very involved with all these businesses that we were involved with from the very beginning. And we took but they oh, had to stay seriously. I mean, you know, it was like, uh, I, there's a lot to be said for that too. That is true. You probably don't need to go find Gen Z's or uh, uh, just other consumers for your research. Exactly. That's an excellent point. Yeah, they're right there, right in front of you. Yeah. 
Well, this was very, uh, it was such a fun chat, Joanne. Thank you so much for making time for this and sharing your um, story so honestly and all these valuable insights. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share with your friends and subscribe to Working Moms wherever you get your podcast. Have a great day and I'll talk to you next week.